0: We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Ria Hanen, Joe Wood, and Matthew Behrens. As today's guests discuss, there's hardly a community in Canada that doesn't benefit from producing some sort of product that goes into the weapons and technology that enable military, policing, and national security state institutions around the world to kill, repress, and afflict. Every year, Canada's biggest gathering of vendors of these products and technologies with potential customers, who use them from Baltimore to Bahrain, from El New Brunswick, to occupied Palestine, is the CANSEC Arms Fair in Ottawa. And since back when it was called Armex in the late 1980s, every time this event has been held, ordinary people have gathered, sometimes in their dozens, sometimes in their thousands, to show their opposition to the event and to the oppressive violence it helps to propagate, and to show their solidarity with those who ultimately bear its consequences. hanen Wood, and Barons are all longtime activists for peace and social justice, and they're involved in this year's organizing against CANSEC. The action, which they're calling Ten Hours Against Terrorism, will take place on May 27th there will be a festive gathering outside the gates of the arms fair on the outskirts of Ottawa, where people will share poems and songs and art and street theatre and moments of solemnity, as they celebrate life in repudiation of the facilitation of suffering and death being carried out within. We spoke about the long history of organizing against arms fairs in Ottawa, the reasons to oppose CANSEC, this year's organizing and action, and ways for people across the country to act as well. We spoke by Skype to phone from Ottawa and Perth, Ontario.
1: My name is Matthew Behrens, and I'm with the nonviolent direct action group Homes Not Bombs, which is an Ontario-wide network of people who try and confront personal and institutional injustice using nonviolent direct action.
2: My name is Jill Wood, and I'm quite active with two groups. The Raging Grannies, who started out basically as a peace group, but look at all kinds of social injustices as as well. And also a group named No War Pay, which is a group that started right after 9-11 to try to help stop bad laws from being passed that would discriminate against people of color and harm all of our civil liberties, which is still a big issue today.
3: And I'm Ria Hengen. I'm also an Region granny since 2001 and have been participating in the CAMSEC a lot. But before that, the group is not very active now, but it is uh, the coalition to oppose the arms trade. And I was a member of that in the 90s and still, but we are not doing too much. And they have been opposing what was in those days still the RMAX since, I think, 1989. And I'm also part of NOAA.
1: We're planning something called 10 Hours Against Terrorism and this is a day-long nonviolent presence at the entrance to what's known as CANSEC 15, which we are quite properly calling a terrorism and torture trade show. So there will be readings, there will be song, there will be testimony from those who have survived the violence of the companies and the countries that are participating in this weapons bazaar. I think it's fair to say that if you look at all the violence in the world and the refugees who by the hundreds and thousands are drowning in the desperate attempts to get to Europe across the Mediterranean, if we look at climate change, all these issues are very much related to one industry. And that is an industry which is involved in the production of weapons that have only one purpose, and that purpose is to kill people. The other purpose of CANSEC is to provide police forces with paramilitary equipment, whether that's armored vehicles, whether it's sniper rifles, tear gas, the various other things that are often used, and we've seen in places like Baltimore and Ferguson more recently, and also against First Nations people in New Brunswick and in BC, among other places. So essentially, it's the tools of repression. And we live in a world of huge inequality, and we know that Historically, the powerful and the wealthy rely on their military and their police forces to repress democracy. And so our being there is an attempt to stand up for democratic rights, both here and abroad and also to support those people who, in their own countries, are trying to get a better life. And one of the things that prevents them from getting a better life, in a country, let's say, like Honduras, which Canada sends weapons to, or Saudi Arabia, which we have the largest weapons deal in the history of Canada, $15 billion worth, those people don't stand a chance, in part, because of Canadian technology and Canadian weaponry. So our being there is a small show of solidarity and hopefully something that will inspire other Canadians across this country who can't go to Ottawa to look at their own communities because every community across mm-hmm. this country either makes the whole system or makes components for a weapon system that can't work without that Canadian so-called ingenuity.
3: It is so much sold as, you know, for our safety and our security that they need all those gimmicks. But we know the underlying story and that is what's scary. And certainly under the Harper government, but other governments have done it too. They are creating an atmosphere of fear and the people fall into the trap. So we need it. We need more police. We need more of those, you know, laser guns. We need this. We need that. All for our security. Well, we have to stand up and say, no, this is just a big lie. I'm sorry.
2: I think the Harper government to a huge extent has turned to the arms industry and their security industry and spyware and all that kind of stuff. Only second to oil is what they see as important to keeping our economy going. They give grants to CADSEA, that's the Canadian Association of Defense and Security Industries, yeah. They give grants to them to go and promote their arms deals and stuff in other countries. And of course, they bring representatives of other countries to the CADSEC shows. We consider it totally immoral and not the way we should be trying to make the economy grow.
1: We can use, as an example, a very successful Canadian corporation called Westcam, which is in Burlington. And Westcam makes the targeting equipment for drones, weaponized drones. They also make surveillance and monitoring equipment for border services and police. So on the one hand, you've got a company that is contributing to death and horror and terror overseas in a country like Pakistan or Afghanistan or Somalia or Djibouti, wherever the U.S. is launching its deadly drone strikes. And then for the people who protest at home, they provide the police forces who are monitoring those protests with the surveillance equipment. But I think one of the most scandalous weapons deals and one that has been very little talked about is the $15 billion light-armored vehicle contract Mm. coming out of General Dynamics in London.
0: And to be clear, it's London, Ontario that Barron's is referring to.
1: It's an astonishing amount of military equipment that is going over to a regime which is the leading beheading regime of the Middle East. Harper talks about the barbarity of ISIS, and ISIS is indeed engaged in barbaric acts. But what about Saudi Arabia? What about the fact that we are supplying their forces with the equipment that is used not only to repress their own populations or whether it's invading Yemen next door? Thousands of people have been killed in Yemen, and there's no doubt that Canadian-supplied equipment and components are being used as part of that. If you look at Montreal, Montreal is a hub for aerospace And most of the major military aircraft that are currently built and currently serviced are running on, for example, Pratt & Whitney engines. They have simulation systems that are built by CAE, which is the largest current Canadian weapons firm, according to their own statistics. There is a company in Kitchener, Colt Canada, which used to be called Dimaco, which makes sniper rifles and machine guns and grenade launchers. So, you know, wherever you are in this country, there's a company that's producing an engine part, that's producing a computer-guided laser weapons bay. So just tons and tons of stuff that's being produced by hundreds and hundreds of companies. I just discovered that in Perth, Ontario, there's a company called Central Wire. You would think that they just supply local electrical wiring, but in fact, they actually supply the United States Air Force. And you wouldn't know just to go by this nice-looking little building that people in this small rural part of eastern Ontario are contributing to global warfare.
4: Since at least a couple of you, uh, maybe all three of you, were involved in the events that happened longer ago around Armax, maybe tell me a little bit more about the trajectory of that organizing.
3: It was repeated every year. I was not part of first year. I probably should add proudly that my husband and I were at work, but our second son, he was determined to be there and he was trained in nonviolent action and he was very impressed because he was trained by a few nuns and that really impressed him. And he was arrested. And then I remember that 18 of them were chained together and brought in the next day in front of the judge and then they were let go. So that was in 89 and it went on, as far as I know, every year. Every two might...
1: years, actually. So the protest that I must have met your son somewhere in the holding chamber of Ottawa (laughs) Detention Center at some point, there were so many of us. It literally went from about 10 people holding candles in 1987 to this huge mobilization. And a lot of the people who were involved had been involved in a protest in 1988 at the Mm. G7 summit. We tried to arrest Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher and others. And so with that network, uh, the Alliance for Nonviolent Action, a lot of organizing took place subsequent to the 1988 protests And all over Ontario and in Quebec, there were public meetings. We had witnesses from the countries that were most affected speak about what happens when Canadian weapons show up in their countries. So there was a lot of consciousness around that time. And of course, in 1991, that was the second time that Armex was going to try and come back after the big protests in 1989. Between that, there had been the first Iraq War. The city of Ottawa banned. Armex from taking place on city property. So Armex decided that they would hold their weapons fair out in a small rural community called CARP, which had six jail cells. Well, we were very upfront in terms of saying there's not going to be place for the 500 people who are likely to come and risk arrest. And so it actually was canceled in 1991. And in 1993, they rebranded themselves as Peacekeeping 93. And this was held downtown in a hotel. Again, there were major protests, a few arrests. And for a couple of years, Armex went south. The Canadian Weapons Fair actually went to Washington, D.C. And it was only in the late 90s that it started to come back as CANSEC. And as Ria was saying, the Coalition to Oppose the Arms Trade was very active in trying to push the city of Ottawa to honor its ban of having this fair taking place on city property.
3: I might also mention that the Ottawa Raging Grannies, of which Joe and I were not a member yet, from 1989 up to now, every gathering, so including air shows, because we felt that was very militaristic, of course, or CAMSAC, or whatever it was, the grannies were there. We were always there to protest, and they were there with their songs and their signs and their banners to stand up against this militarization.
1: And I understand, maybe, Joe, you can speak to this. Last year, there was a possibility of actually having a peace drone involved.
2: (laughs) Well, I went and looked into it because I knew that the source had these little remote control helicopters you could buy. And our idea was to fly the helicopter over Kansik because you have to get through this huge parking lot that's gated in its current position to get back anywhere. So we thought that would be a great way to have a bit of a story. (laughs) Unfortunately, outdoors, it would only fly for about 45 minutes or so without being recharged. And we figured it wouldn't even make it over there in that amount of time at the speed it could go. So we didn't do it. It's right out by the airport these days in this great big exhibition center, so it's much more of a problem than it used to be when it was in the city. We have had a group out once just standing there with our banners. You don't get a lot of through traffic except for the exhibitors themselves because it's a bit of a side road. We posted lots of anti-war signs up on the fence that they surround the place with, and we were chatting and singing songs.
4: Tell
0: me about the process of organizing for this year's CANSEC.
2: Well, Matthew actually got us going on it, and we started talking about it a couple of months ago. No clear plan had been set up. Matthew, you really discovered social media. He put up a Facebook event, and we also had an email call-out that we distributed widely, and he's been tweeting a bit. We are helping with the organizing at this level, Re and I. Matthew's in Perth, and Rhea and I are here in Ottawa. This is a work in progress still right now, but we need to fill up the day with events that will make people want to come out. We'll want to have some speakers. We're going to try to get some musicians out. We'll have a sound system. We're likely to do a die-in to the sounds of war at some point. As soon as that starts to flesh out, we'll start to really hit all of our social media with specifics as well as all our email lists and stuff like that. And telling people about it. We had a Raging Granny meeting today, and we discussed it there. And the Montreal grannies may come down and join us. We have a No War Pay meeting this coming Monday where we'll discuss how we can contribute and disseminate the information. When we have more information, we'll probably put out a media advisory, that kind of thing. And we're picking our
3: brains and other people's brains to find people who would be willing to perform or who could contribute something. I know there is, uh, I think, the Poets for Peace. We were talking, for example, about a person who had done a rapping song, and it was fantastic. So we'll try to find a name. We have some contacts of choirs and of individual singers. As Matthew in his call-out asked, just send if you have something to contribute, good pictures, or a poem, or a piece of prose, or a story to tell. You can not be there. We will read it for you. We will do it for you. You know, that is all part of it. We don't expect to have big numbers Mm -hmm. at any time. Right, but we will probably focus on having some groups at the times that we know that the people who are attending CANSEC are going in and out. I personally would like to really emphasize the drones because it makes me sick just to think of it. So I, I hope that there is a way that we can emphasize that issue.
1: One of the things that we have talked about and are looking into There's a project called Not a Bug Splat. This is an anti-drone project in Pakistan where people have taken over fields next to villages and produced large canvases that are about the size of half a football field. And they have the images of young children whose parents have been killed or who themselves Mm -hmm. have been killed so that the drone operators who are sitting in Hancock Air Force Base or in Nevada, wherever they are, When they are looking at an area that might be bombed, they're going to see this massive human face to remind them that they aren't just bug splat, which is how they are referred to when they are blown up, but that they are human beings. So we are looking at getting four foot by four foot images of some of the faces that are never seen when you drop a bomb from thirty, forty thousand 40,000 feet or when you launch a drone strike and maybe doing some flyers as well that we can hand out to the people who are going to this weapons fair, just with those pictures and asking why. Why are you doing this? Do you not know or do you not care about the people who are on the other end of what you make a profit off of?
4: I don't think you've used this word, but in hearing some of the things that you are hoping to have as part of the day, it sounds like you're aiming for kind of a festive atmosphere, for the action. Tell me a bit about the reasoning for that.
1: This is really a perverse celebration of death and murder and in a world that honors that and legalizes it, the only option we have is to celebrate life. Life is the alternative and we, I think, celebrate the best things about what it is to be human when we stand up to death and to a culture that legalizes these kinds of brutal instruments and brutal policies. So the more that we can say we are there in a hopeful spirit, because otherwise we wouldn't be there. You know, a lot of times reporters will show up and there'll be 15 of us there and they say, well, do you think you're having an effect? Well, of course we're having an effect because we are presenting a counterpoint to what is going on behind the fences and inside the walls of the EY Center in Ottawa.
4: So if people are listening and they're various places around Canada, they're too far away to get to the action in Ottawa. You had mentioned that they could maybe find out what war industries are happening in their community. Talk a little bit about how they would find that out.
1: Well, they can certainly contact us and we can help them with that or you can actually go to the Industry Canada database online. The Government of Canada lists all organizations that are involved in military procurement It's often under the euphemism of aerospace. You can contact Project Plowshares, which is, I believe, plowshares.ca or plowshares.org, which is a very good research firm in Kitchener-Waterloo. The Coalition to Oppose the Arms Trade, COAT, still has outstanding resources on its website. So if, for example, you're concerned about Israeli weapons, Richard Saunders there did a whole magazine on Canadian contributions to the different weapon systems that are used in the repression of the Palestinians. So the information is out there. It's really just about, are you willing to do a little bit of research so that you can go out and stand with your sign, even if you're one person?
4: So if people do some of this research and they find out that, yes, there's this company in my town that's contributing to some things that I think are pretty awful, what kinds of things could they do to respond to that?
3: There are so many actions you can take. You could go to their premises, which of course is private property, so you could be arrested. But to go and try to be there, for example, when the workers are there and give them leaflets, do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're producing? Do you know where your products are going? You know, to make them aware. And again, it won't be big. It won't look very impressive. But in the first place, if you believe that things are wrong, you've got to do something. You can't be silent. But the second thing is, it is often, yes, one person at the time who can probably be, how would I say, converted, but can see the other side and start to think.
1: I think it's not really for us to say what people should do. I think everybody's got great ideas. You see that ingenuity all the time at demonstrations when people make just wonderful signs or they do street theater or or write letters to the editor or compose poetry or songs. It's really, I think, up to how you best feel most comfortable expressing how you feel about the madness of policies and the madness of an economy which is so based on militarism. We've seen that time and again throughout history, but even in recent years, if you look at the C-51 protest, there were some incredibly creative street theater pieces and fun stuff. I think people have gotten away from the idea that demonstrating actually can be and perhaps should be fun. We don't want people to go out and just be miserable because the world sucks. We want to have a joyous counterpoint to that that actually says we're doing something about it and we're doing something using the creative tools that we hope will inspire other people to get involved. But also, as Ria was saying, to help the individuals themselves who are engaged in this business to look inside themselves and say, is this really what I should be doing? Does this square with what my faith is all about? and maybe looking at how we can transform our local economy so they're not so dependent on government money that goes into the production of weapons. You know, people have lives and a lot of different commitments, and we have a culture that doesn't really allow us a lot of leisure time. So it is asking people to sacrifice, but then again, people have season tickets to hockey games, you know. And not to say that that's bad, but it's about how do we make this a priority in our lives I think we need to see leadership from institutions. We are individual grassroots activists and social change promoters. We don't have the money and the institutional oomph that the United Church does, that the Catholic Church does. And, you know, Pope Francis has been saying some interesting things about militarism. It would be great to see that filter down to the congregations here in Canada. So I think we need to see greater leadership from those institutions that have a creed, but are not necessarily living up to it.
2: Another thing that's not so local is that anyone who's really concerned about CADSEC and would like to participate from the distance, if they have a poem or something like that, they would uh, like to send to us. We could make sure it was read, and we'll have a sound system there if people want to send music even. That would be really a a nice way to have a start at protesting against the militarism we see today.
4: So why don't each of you tell me briefly one thing that you hope will happen at the action at the end of May or that will result from the action?
2: I'm hoping to bring a lot more awareness for people about CanSec, it's kind of gone off the radar since it moved out near the airport, and to bring what's happening around militarism back into uh, the mainstream conversation. Yeah, I'm hoping that the media will pick up something, and then I
3: always hope that in some people's hearts, something has touched them, even if we have one one second. You know, giving a handout to somebody who comes there, who, is the, who, who comes to the show, and you talk to them, and they might read it, and they might think. It says if a seed is planted, that's what I always hope. And for the rest, I, you know, it's more that I have to be there. I, have, I cannot give up.
1: I'm hoping that we can find a way to make the issue of militarism and its connection to torture and repression and border control that that is relatable to the fact that we don't have enough childcare spaces in the country or that women's mm-hmm. shelters are overflowing or that we don't have enough housing and we have a housing crisis or that young people can't get good-paying jobs or that we have high tuition rates so that people can see that this isn't just some isolated peacenik hippie thing that we like to get together and protest. It's a real deep-rooted symbol of what is wrong with our whole social and economic structure in this country, and that if people can realize that if we spent in one day on education, what we currently spend on the military in one day, 3,000 young people could go to university for four years tuition-free. That's how much money is involved. And then you translate that to all the other needs that are not being met in our communities. So I'm hoping that when we're there and leading up to and after that, that that can be part of the discussion as well, that this isn't an isolated thing. This is very much woven into all the different struggles that we're involved with for social justice.
0: You have been listening to my interview with Rhea Hainan, Joe Wood, and Matthew Behrens about the organizing against CANSEC, Canada's largest weapons fair. To learn more about this year's action, which will be happening on May 27th, search for 10 Hours Against Terrorism on Facebook. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to make suggestions about topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link marked radio. That's talkingradical.ca.